The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, just as Billy was praying, that you um, have given us this season of Advent, of waiting and hoping in you, Jesus. Um, We thank you that that hope will never leave us unsatisfied or unfulfilled or empty, Lord, Um, but you have fulfilled every promise in Jesus. So I pray this morning as we hear your word, God, that it would just um, change our hearts, that it would bring us hope, um, and that we would love you more from it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? It's good to see you. Uh, we are in a crazy time, aren't we? There's a lot of changes every day. Um, and so as a church family, we want to be sensitive to that and just kind of navigate that with wisdom. Um, and we really want to hear from you. And so um, as we think about the in-person gatherings the next few weeks, we're going to just be asking you again just how comfortable you feel with that. Um, because again, we this whole year has been learning to be flexible, hasn't it? I mean, just learning to be flexible with what God's doing, um, even in the midst of this time. But I believe that there's something that's a lot bigger than what's going on on the surface that God's doing that's really going to make a difference uh, for the future. And I think even for the future of the church and how we think about relationships and how we value relationships. Um, And in this season, I I pray that we don't waste um, the pandemic and we don't waste Advent. Um, Advent is one of those times of the year where we get to meditate on the fact that God became man. Let me say that again, that God became man. And the reality of that and and how that should change us, uh, truly change us and transform us. That in the midst of the dark seasons that we go through, that there should be life that comes from knowing that God became man. That there is hope. Hearing from a friend recently, he said, I watch the news, I watch everything that's going on in the world and it feels hopeless. But the truth of the gospel is that there is good news in Jesus. That no matter how difficult the times may get, God is consistent. And we get to really uh, plant our life in, in the foundation of knowing that God became man. And it's a reality. So we're in this series of Advent right now. And Advent uh, is a Latin word for anticipation. Uh, And what is that anticipation? Well, it's the anticipation of the arrival of God. And so it's not only that God came, but that God will come again. Jesus will come again. And so we have an anticipation of this hope that this isn't it. That everything that you see around you, this isn't it. This isn't the end of the story, but there is much more to the story and that uh, God is, is making all things new. And so we're going to be looking at and meditating on John uh, 1. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 5. Um, but like we talked about last week, as we, we started John, um, this is high theology stuff that really gets brought down to the ground level for us. It gets brought down to... The, the nitty-gritty of life. 
This isn't de 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 detached of what life is really like and about. And I think that, that, that this verse really helps us to, to see that because it talks about in here darkness, dark times, a dark world, but that there's hope that God breaks through and brings light. So last week we talked about how John wanted to give us this perspective of life. And so he starts with Jesus, right? As he looks at where he's going to start, he, he, he starts at, at these words, in the beginning was the word. And what it should bring up is these thoughts of Genesis 1.1 in the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God. See, Jesus wasn't just a man who walked this earth 2,000 years ago, but that God walked among us. And that he wasn't just walking among us, but he was the creator of the heavens and the earth, as it says in Genesis 1.1. And so what we looked at last week is this, that, that John, who was who Jesus' best and closest earthly friend, he tells us that Jesus was not created, but he is creator. Jesus was not just finite. He's infinite. He's eternal. And so at the very beginning as the heavens and the earth were being created, that Jesus was right there in the midst of it. But that same God who was there in the midst of the goodness of creation came down in the depths, in the darkness of our sin. And in that, we understand that Jesus was not distant, but he's near. He's relational. That Jesus could look at his disciples and say, you know, no, no longer do I call you servant, but you, you're my friends. You're my friends. The thought that God could come so close that he would call his disciples friends, and in that he would call you and me friends. Right, that the high theology, but bringing it down to the earth, bringing it down to, to what we face on a daily basis. I need a friend like that. And so what does Advent teach us and remind us of? Well, it, it teaches us that the infinite creator of the universe came so near to his creation that he became one of us and, and was able to relate to us. And, and he was poor, he was cold, he was lonely. So can God, in the midst of a pandemic, relate to the person who lost their job? Yes. Can God relate to the one who's struggling to make ends meet? Yes. Can God relate to the one who's saying, Christmas isn't going to be like Christmas is before? Yes. Here's what it says about what God did for us in Luke 2, 7. It says, and she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. God came so close, he came into a dark world that we, we had no room for him. We had no room for him. And so can he relate to the one who feels like they have no place in this world? Yes. That's how near God came. And so John points out this, that Jesus, in this verse today that we're going to look like or look at, it, Jesus was not just another way of life. 
saying, follow me, follow my pattern of life. Not like any other religion that's out there. Just pattern yourself after, after this leader or that leader. No, Jesus is saying he is our life. You want to know where life is found? Real life is found? We're going to look at that today. So how is Jesus our life? Well, the text again is John 1, 4 through 5. And, and uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read this together. Here's what it says. starts out in verse four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so today, what this does is it challenges the way that we're viewing life right now. However you're coming in today, however weary you're feeling, discouraged you may be feeling. Today, this helps us with a template for how we can apply this to our own lives. Author Paul Tripp said this, and I think this is helpful for us as we think about this today. He says, all human beings have a theological bent. You know, theology, the way we think about God. All of us have this bent, he says. Whether they consider themselves religious or not, Everyone wants life to make sense. Everyone is a committed interpreter. No one leaves his or her life alone. We all pick our lives apart trying to make sense of them. I know for me, as the pandemic started, you know, the things that I was, I was thinking about is like, what is my life about? What am I doing? What am I, what, what am I here for? Right, all of those purpose questions started to come into my heart, into my mind. As like everything just kind of came crashing down in, in the reality that we live in right now. Have you felt like that before where you're just wrestling with your life? Like, okay, what is this about? What am I here for? Am I living it out the way that I was intended to? Right, all of those questions that we have we're interpreting something. And we're interpreting, again, how does God play into all of this? Where is God? Because I know I've seen it, you know, time and time again, where people are trying to explain what's happening. And many times what happens is it becomes devoid of God. Like God is absent or he's not there or he's very distant from us. But is that what the Bible teaches us? Advent is going to help us understand a little bit more. And so there are three insights that we're going to see today from this passage about life in Jesus. And the first one is this. It's, we must see this life in him, in us, in the end. In him, in us, in the end. So the first one is in him. Look at the first two words in verse four. In him. Why does John start there? It's very simplistic, right? We don't really think too much about that, but he's talking about, he uses the word in. Like it's in him. 
what these words are meant to do is refocus us. Right, again, like as you're struggling with life, as things are falling apart, like where do you run to? Where do you go? What John is saying, there's something that's in Jesus that you're not gonna find in other places. And so as you run to him, as you run to where he's at and saying, okay, what's in Jesus? You're gonna find something. And what John says is this, that you're going to find life. Life. Now, before we jump into this, I mean, you think about this. He uses the word was before he talks about life. And as I said, John had walked with Jesus for three years. He was a close disciple. He was a friend. He'd seen Jesus in in situations that were pressure-packed situations. He He was being questioned about things, whatever. He sees Jesus going to the cross pressure-packed situations. Why does John use this word was life? Well, I think in many ways what we can see from that is this, that he's thinking upon the life that Jesus lived in those three years that he walked with Jesus. And the fact that if you want to really know what life is, it's going to be found in him. And the way that he walked and the way that he treated people and the way that he interacted with life, that's the way life is supposed to be. That's the way, I don't have to struggle anymore and wonder, like, how am I supposed to live life? Because I got to look at Jesus and see, that's what life is. Right, we struggle with life because we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. But as John is thinking on Jesus and the life that Jesus lived, he said, that, that was life. Right, that was life. And so where do you run when things get difficult, hard, challenging? What about things being good? What John is saying is this. He's saying, run to this place that you can trust. One of the things that um, my kids do every night, it feels like every night, um, I think it is every night, is that they come and run into uh, our bedroom, into our bed. And they fall asleep on our bed every night. And, you know, I just turned 38 this week and my back is not on like the, like getting better. It's actually getting worse, right? Like, because every night what I'm doing is I am going, picking them up out of the bed and carrying them to their own bed, laying them in there and going back to my bed. And I asked them, I said, why, why do you guys come to our bed every night? And he said, this is the place that we come when we're scared. It's a place where we run, where we just want to be close to you. This is the place where we come, where it just feels more comfortable. I'm like, man, I wish your bed would feel more comfortable because it's hurting my back. Um, <laughs> But I think for us, like, as we think about 
the places that we run to and the safe places that we run to, do we find that it's, it's that we run to that safe place in, in, in Jesus, in him? See, what do, we, what do we learn about this life that was, was in Jesus as John started to think about it? Well, one of the, the aspects that we can think about is just the, the reality of the physical life that we have. The fact that you and I are here breathing right now. The fact that we're alive. Like we don't think about this much, but, but what that is, is, is a gift from God. Like it's a, every breath comes from God. And the fact that my body is operating right now and I'm alive and I'm able to speak and all of the things that are happening, that there is life because of God. Genesis 2, 7 says this, then the Lord God formed the man of, of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. I want you to think about this for a minute. The fact that the, the creator became the created. He took on flesh, like you and me. And he's the, the giver and sustainer of life. The fact that you and I have physical life right now is because of him. And that's not just because you're a Christian. That's just a gift of common grace. The common grace of God that he's allowed us to live right now. That it's Jesus in him, his life. The life. No one has physical life apart from God. God is the giver and sustainer of life and has breathed life into us and that very creator walked among us. Let that hit you for a minute. we also find is this, that it's not just you and I were meant to be born one time, but we were meant to be born again. Born again. You see, because later in John, John discusses that and, and talks about that as he talks about this interaction that Nicodemus has with Jesus. Nicodemus would come to Jesus at night. He would, he would kind of creep around and, and, and not want to be seen with Jesus necessarily, but want to hear his teaching. And Jesus told him, he says, you think you've got, you think you understand what life is about. He says, but you, you need to understand that life is in me. You, you need to come to me for life and you need to be born again. See, everybody's born once, but you need to be born twice. You need to be born again. Because what we need to understand about this is that, yes, we were physically born into this world, but here's what it says about our spiritual life. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. It talks about our death, spiritual death. And it says that spiritual life comes through this. But God made us alive together with Christ. Right, those two words at the beginning, but God should bring us hope today. That whatever you're struggling with right now, that there's this God who says, you know, in, in Jesus, there is this hope 
that you can find a life that you wouldn't have had any other way. And he makes us alive. So in Jesus, there is this life. The second point is this, in us. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness. Now, what's the current state of this world and the nature of our hearts apart from God? It's darkness. It's darkness. See, we don't like to talk about that much. We don't really like to focus on that. We like to act like everything's good. One of the ways that we talk about it, you know, when we think about the holiness of God and who God is, we, we say we, we like to pretend and perform and act like things are okay. But if we're honest with ourselves, what, what happens is we, we start to see that there's a darkness in us that we just can't overcome. We can't fight it. We, can't, we, we don't have the power, the strength to defeat it. But it's strong in us. It, it, it's the thing that tells us that, to, that, 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 that we can do it. I don't need God. Right? And so it, it draws us in. What this darkness is, is that spiritual death that I was talking about earlier. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you were dead in the, trespass, in the trespasses and sins. See, as Jesus is life, as he's the light, here's the thing we need to understand. The spiritual state of man is this. James Boyce says, we are as unresponsive to God as was the dust of, of the earth before God breathed his spirit into it. In our natural state, we can do nothing to improve ourselves spiritually. You believe that? That's not what the world says. That's not what the, that we hear often. What we're used to hearing is, no, you can, you can kind of figure out your problems and get, bring solutions to it. But what the Bible tells us is that there's this really profound view of, of the spiritual death in our life and the sin that we face. And that it's so strong that not you, you or me, we couldn't defeat it. It's so dark. Again, there are things that you, you look in the news and you see what's happening or, or you hear about what happened to this person or that person. You're like, how, how, is that, how is that in our world? Like, how does that happen? Friends, there's a profound darkness. And so when we think about Advent and we think about Jesus coming into the darkness, he doesn't run. He runs not away from it, but towards us. Even though he knows what's in us. Even though he knows what's in us. See, what is it that draws God to us? It was love. It was love. See, a lot of the times what we want to do is we want to say this about good and bad. Good people, bad people. But here's the thing we find out is that Jesus didn't come to, to make bad people good. He came, as many pastors have said before me, and, and I'll continue to say, he came to make dead people alive. He came to bring light in the darkness. And so when God brings us to life, 
Yes, we have to start to see the depths of our darkness, but then we start to see the brightness of the light. One of the traditions that we do as a family is um, after Thanksgiving, we, we put up the Christmas lights and we, um, you know, tree and all that stuff. And I always do this. I just kind of procrastinate throughout the day. Like, okay, I'm going to, we, we, we'll get the, the tree up and all that stuff. We'll watch the Christmas movies, but I'm just going to kind of procrastinate a little bit. And I've got this in my head. Like, I'm going to put up the lights outside. It's going to happen. And so I do this like every year, but it, and then, you know, it's getting darker earlier. And so I got my daughter, Elle, to um, help me out. I said, can you help me? And we're going we're to go get the, the lights and all that stuff. And so we put up the lights and, and, you know, my wife's out there and she's like, I don't think it should go that way. I think it should do this way. I'm like, no, 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 I got it. I can figure it out. You know, I, I got it. I got my plan, my plan out there. And, and so I start to put up the lights and, um, and literally it was like right before it gets dark outside. And, um, and there was this exciting moment where it was like, okay, the big reveal, right? Um, and so me and Elle were outside. We're practicing. We're pushing the button. It's working. Sweet. And um, we bring everybody outside, bring our whole family outside. And all right, Elle, you're going to push the button and it's going to turn on the lights. And we bring it out and then everybody's like, ooh, ah, you know, like, isn't this so great? We got the lights up. And, and, and the thing I thought about that was this, that, you know, as it was getting darker, like, why do we put up lights? Is it because we're trying to make a runway for Santa? I don't know. You know, like, no, it, it's as Christians, like, why do we put up lights? It's because as dark as this world gets, there's a light that we can put our hope in. And it felt so good, like, turning on that light, <laughs> right? Because it's so, it feels so weird, like, being so dark. And you're like, is it like, it's like, six o'clock right now? Like, I feels like nine. <laughs> like, what? But just to be able to turn on those lights. And when Jesus comes into the world in the midst of our darkness, he's the light. He, it was like the, the light switch flipped on. This is life. This is light. This is what it looks like. So the last point in the end. Look at this, verse five. The darkness has not overcome it. I want you to underline that if you're looking at your Bible, the word not. Not. The darkness has not overcome it. Is God here in the midst of our darkness? Is God here in the midst of our challenges? Is God here in the midst of our difficulties? Yes. And you know the beautiful truth that we can hang our hat on is just saying this, that the darkness has not overcome the light of Jesus in our life. Why? See, Christianity, at the end of the day, it's not running away from darkness. It's about running towards the light that overcomes the darkness. And so in your life personally right now, as you're just kind of like, okay, where am I at mentally? What, what am I really going through right now? Are you just on that, that spiral of like everything's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse? 
right? Is it just like, I'm just going to binge watch a bunch of movies and <laughs> TV and all this stuff or just binge, you know, the phone and what's going on and, and just that's what life is. It's just going to keep taking you further and further and further down into this really dark place. And you know what I mean by that, right? That dark place. Is that where we're going to go? Or is there another place that we can run to that's safe and that God says, you know what? I'm going to overcome that. I'm going to defeat that. See, what is the incarnation? It's light breaking into the darkness. Isaiah 9, 2 says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. It's the beauty of coming out into the day and the, the sun shining on you and that there, there's life, that there's, there's, there's hope. And that, you know what, in the midst of the darkness, that the light always overcomes the darkness. The light always overcomes the darkness. And that as small as that light seemed, as Jesus comes into the world, born into a manger, his light outshined all the darkness. Look at him. Look at what he's done. And so today, just some takeaway reflections. How can I live out this life? Well, the first one is this, and I think this is the hardest for all of us. It's admitting my darkness. It's admitting my darkness. Right? It's admitting those places where I was wrong, where I've sinned, where things aren't all right in my life. And it's like dragging that stuff into the light. That's the only way that there's healing. That's the only way. See, it's, it's like um, one of my friends and a mentor for me, uh, Larry Acosta, he told me, he says, Randall, it's, you got to learn to tell on yourself. You got to learn to rat yourself out. And you need trusted people that you can tell on yourself too. Because that's the only way that you can grow. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, but the hardest thing to do is admit the truth. I'm struggling. I'm going through some stuff right now. I need somebody to, to be there to talk to you. You know, there's this power that holds us. And, and you know what it is? It's the power in many ways of like feeling like we got to keep score with God. Like God's keeping score on me and I got to keep score of how I'm doing. And if I mess up or if I have these things in my life, then I can't really be a Christian but I want you to hear this because this is the gospel. Thomas Merton said this. He says, quit keeping score altogether and surrender yourself with all your sinfulness to God who sees neither the score nor the scorekeeper, but only his child redeemed by Christ. Do you relate to God in that way? Do you come to God in that way? That in your darkest moments that God could look at you and say, that's my daughter, that's my son. 
Why can he do that? It's because his son died for us. His son paid the ultimate price. If we were to keep score on Jesus, as John looked at his life, he says he was perfect. Yet he paid on the cross like he was a failure, like he was a zero. Why? For us. For us. That's it. And so one of the, the things that we, we come to God with is like, oh, well, here's my score, God, and, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. We got to throw that out. You guys say in the midst of where I'm at right now, I can be honest, and, and you can meet me in that place because if you came from heaven to earth into a manger in the dirt, in the, the, the grime, in the nastiness, you can meet me in that place too? Okay. Second point is this. Live into my new identity. How do you receive a new identity? It's coming to Jesus, surrendering, saying, Jesus, I need to be born again. I need you. I need you to change me from the inside out. I, I need to be a new person, a new creation. I want you to do that, God. I surrender to you. I don't know everything of what that means, but help me, Lord. I will learn the rest of my life what that means. I'll learn the rest of my life. I was talking with our leaders yesterday. I said, you know, the, 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 the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's this multifaceted diamond that you can't get a grip on. Like you think you know this side of it, but there's so much more to it. Friends, we are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Second Peter. You and I are growing into the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so as we grow into the knowledge of who he is, I'm living into my new identity there's this book that we read as a, as a men's group called The Cure. And one of the, the illustrations that's used is this idea of like, you think of like a caterpillar, right? What's a caterpillar? It doesn't look great. Um, it looks kind of gross. I, I'm not a big fan of caterpillars when I see them. Um, they just look nasty, right? But um, when they're crawling around and whatnot. But, but, but here's the thing about caterpillars, that in a caterpillar, there's the DNA of a butterfly, it's in there. It's in there. And so there are days where you wake up and you feel like you're a caterpillar. Spiritually, you look at yourself, you say, man, I'm just this caterpillar. <laughs> There's no way that God could love me. There's no way that I have any hope. But, but here's the thing, the, the beautiful thing is that the, the DNA of it is in you because if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, he's already placed it in you. How can you look at yourself and say, I'm a saint? because Christ already put it in you because he is the one who made it possible. And the fact that you and me, maybe on the outside, we feel like the caterpillars that, that God is creating a butterfly, something much more beautiful than what you see. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's in Christ. Last, believe God is able to overcome my darkness. Here's the thing. You and I think that we can manage our sin. 
and we can't. So you think it's a high view of sin when we're like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna manage it. I'm just gonna figure it out. I've just got this under control. I'm just gonna be a good person and do this for God. It's actually a very low view of sin. To view sin that way is a very low view of sin. Why? Because it's, we think that we can control it. We think that we can master it. No, it, it's, it's actually more powerful than we think. The darkness of it is just so much more powerful than we think. It was so dark that it put the son of God on a cross for you and me. See, friends, like, let's think about that. Let's tease this out a little bit because as we think about God being born into this world as a child, what did he come for? He was born to die for you and me. See, here's what it says in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. As we think about the gospel today, it's this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How am I forgiven? How can I come and have a new life? How can I be a new creation? It's this, that Jesus came, that he delivered me from this domain of darkness, this domain that was so strong. It had such a grip on my life and the life of this world that it took the son of God, put him on a cross and he died for me. That's what it took for him to rescue me. See, you and I can know that God has rescued us when, from this domain of darkness when we believe that he left his, the, the, the God the Father left his son in the darkness for you and me. He left him in the darkness for you and me. The light of the world left in darkness for you and me. And when you see that, when, you, when that becomes the profound thing that makes you sing during this Advent season, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You're going to find a new life in Jesus that you could have never found on your own. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that this is true. We thank you, God, for the freedom that is found in Christ when, when we see that in him was life. Like John was just thinking about the life that he lived with Jesus and just knowing that everything that Jesus did was right knowing that even at the end of the book of John, he says there, there, there's so many books that he could write about the life of Jesus that this world wouldn't be able to fill what could be written about Jesus. But yet this little snippet right here, Lord, I just pray that we think and we ponder and we meditate on this and we let this be good news to our hearts. We come to you with a grateful heart, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.